I guess. Hi, how is yours? So, welcome yeah, to yeah, the yeah, Gang Roundtable. It is 216. There he is. Now recording. 216. Hey, Greg, nice to join Sunday, us. January 17th, 2021. We have Giselle Huff here as our special guest. We're a basic income advocacy podcast, and so it's very good to have you. Um, how are you doing? Would you like to just talk about what you've been working on? Well, this is, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, um, this is so surreal, this whole year, I mean, the year 2020, that it, 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 it's just, I mean, I just move along, you know. I don't know if it's Tuesday or Friday or the weekend or whatever, you know. I get up at 6.30 in the morning. I go to sleep at 11. I walk for an hour every day. That's it. You know, and in the meantime, I'm trying to change the world. So it's kind of interesting in a way. I mean, it's, you know, we never had an opportunity like that, you know, where you have so many hours to fill and you're so passionate about a cause. It really is a, a, an exciting moment for me. As I, I am happy you're doing it, the work you're doing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Giselle, you are the um, founder or um, the the person making the Fund for Humanity happen, the Gerald Huff Fund for Humanity. Is that correct? Right. That's correct. Um, yes. So my son, my late son, Gerald, um, was a very uh, passionate proponent of UBI. Uh, and because he was, um, he was with um, Tesla, he was the principal software engineer on the team that created the Model 3. And it was very clear to him uh, that uh, technological unemployment was going to happen in in those, I mean, two years ago, it was more of a long-term thing, but with the pandemic, it's completely, you know, everything got accelerated and exacerbated. So he was very, in, 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 up until 2008, I was a libertarian. Uh, in fact, I ran for Congress in 1998 uh, in Marin and Sonoma County, just across the bridge from San Francisco, uh, where I had retired. I couldn't stand retirement, so I decided to run for Congress instead. And I ran as a Republican because a libertarian, I'm closer, I was closer to the Republican you know, policy ideas than I was to the Democratic ones. Um, so until 2008, that was my position, self-made woman, you know, the epitome of the American dream, uh, came here in 1947 with my mother, $400 to our name, didn't speak English, you know, American dream. Uh, and when, so I, in 2008, when the, uh, the economy collapsed, it began, became clear to me like, like an epiphany that it, you couldn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, in fact, interesting, as an aside, you know, the expression pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, its origin was to exemplify impossibility. It was meant to point out that you couldn't do it. Well, think about it. How can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? So anyway, it changed. The meaning changed. But for me, you know, it was clear that, that the system was so so broken that it that what I lived through, my love of country and the opportunities that I was given from my, you know, really, really uh, low start, 
um, were no longer possible, except for the very rich. You know, they were not available to people like me who had come, who come to the you know to this country, or even children of people who've been in this country for a long time. Middle class, the middle class is falling apart, and to, through no fault of their own. I mean, the image in my mind, you know, the thing that really got me was the idea of a seven, uh, of a guy who was fifty four years old. I made him up. 54 years old, making $75,000 a year somewhere in a suburban area around, you know, within, around a major city where he had a job that was management, shuffling papers, and he gets fired or he loses his job because of the crash. That's the end of his life. But 20, you know, for, since he's 22 years old, he's been doing everything right. And then the system just absolutely spits him out. So, you know, first he loses his house, then he loses his car, and then, I mean, he's a greeter at Walmart. It's, it, it blew my mind. So Gerald convinced me to, you know, they didn't convince me, but we, we were very involved. We were, so we both supported the, Andrew at the very beginning of his campaign. In fact, Gerald wrote a book, Crisis 2038, which is a techno-thriller that said that describes what will happen if we don't do the right thing now, if we don't implement UBI and we don't understand how to manage uh, technology. We don't make it so that everybody benefits from technology. So I helped him, you know, the family, were, we were all helping him write the book. It's a very complicated process. It took quite a long time because he had a full-time day job. Um, but all through that time, uh, we, you know, we, we talked about this. We were very, I mean, he, I was really involved with, with, with him on this. And um, in uh, November of uh, the, um, 2018, he died of pancreatic cancer. He was 54 years old, and he was diagnosed seven weeks before. So it was a seven. My, my uncle also passed away from it's that. It's a so killer. I mean, it's a killer, but it's also very, so fast. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, when that happened, it was, you can imagine, completely devastating. He was my son, but he was also my intellectual soulmate, you know. I mean, independently of the fact that we loved each other as a family, we had a, we had a bond that was that I'll never be able to replicate. Although getting involved with people in this space, occasionally I get like Scott Sentence and I, you know. Scott came to a celebration of life um, in December of 2018. And Scott is now serving on the board of the Fund for Humanity. Uh, he's also the editor of the Basic Income Today, which is the news site that I support, that I created and support. Um, so when I looked at what I was going to do with the rest of my life with this hole in it, um, I, in February of 2019, I decided to um, found the Fund for Humanity. And I was able to raise some funds. I invited some of my own, but also other family members and a very good friend. And I looked around and thought, I looked at the field. I already was quite well acquainted with the field on the academic sort of intellectual level. 
But I looked around and I thought, what is what isn't anybody not doing? I mean, it was you know what what are people doing and what is missing? And what I realized was that there were a tremendous amount of academic activity that had been ongoing for twenty five or thirty years, but pretty much you know the angels dancing on the head of a pin, uh, you know conferences that drew a hundred people, uh, where people exchanged papers and nitpicked about, you know, this little piece of UBI or that little piece of UBI. Some strong organizations like Economic Security Project who were, you know, sort of, you know, doing work in UBI very effectively. But no one was selling the idea. No one was doing branding or marketing. And if you want to make change happen, you have, in this case especially, you have to accomplish a mind shift among public opinion. And how are you going to do that if you don't deliberately do that? Just like you when know, you build a movement, you know, which is what I'm trying to help make happen, in order to build a movement, you have to invest in infrastructure. You don't, it doesn't just happen. I mean, the, you know, the fact that we are the poor people that need to get this message out, you know, for or, or people who need universal basic income, right? We don't have the funds to necessarily like get the word out. And that's probably been a big issue within it. So we have to hope that people who have money are actually on board and that's who you have to convince. And that's been quite the, uh, the journey, if you will. Well, it's so disturbing. The thing that's still disturbing is that um, this idea of basic income is is seen as like it's being perceived by society as like this new idea when in actuality is it it's been around for a while. Other countries are doing it, and the point behind is this: okay, we have all these resources at our dispose disposal, so there aren't really any excuse any excuses what you have various countries throughout the world some maybe have more resources others have very little and yet they manage to still organize to still get stuff done to still be able to help their people and stuff so why why can't we it's like it's like and the biggest issue is that you know the money and the people aren't together like Andrew Yang has reiterated and it's like you know if we're if we have like a b and c why can't we why can't we use them why are we having these issues on the ground this should be this should be second nation for us so it's like it's it's just it's just it, this is this is embarrassing it, it should be the case we shouldn't be having this discussion it should be already happening right now you know well i'm reading a book called the industry the uh, politics industry uh, and i just read the first half which explains exactly why we are here and it's mostly because all of our institutions are incapable they're not made to deliver what we need. I mean, Congress, our education system, our health system. Yeah. None of our systems are capable. 100%. You, you know why that is? It's because the people who create the problems are the ones who want to perpetuate those problems because they're the ones profiting from it. Absolutely. They write the rules. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the points they make is the duopoly, you know, that's their thing. The Democrats and the book is about the duopoly. And they compare it to, you know, corporations. I mean, who also want to capture the market and all of the things that happen in, you know, antitrust laws. The, the corporations, the corporate world is... 
they have an outsized force, not as well as it could be, but they, at least there's something. You can, you know, sue Microsoft, right? I mean, you can, the government has put a stop to some of those things. But the government has no regulatory agency to control it except the vote. But they control the rules of the vote. So guess what? The vote doesn't get you there because... I mean, it's they also like, control the media too. Like, <laughs> the yeah. Yang media blackout. No, like that. even if we do try, we're getting blocked at like a good hub. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Well, and I think that what's also happened, like even though it's been a hundred years since women have gained the vote, we've gained enfranchisement, right? But the kind of shift that we expected to see in in the way politics ran as a result of that never really panned out and so the question becomes how are we being disenfranchised in the in our political system and if we're not being represented then how can we make the change happen so that we do get the representation otherwise we're all just like dc taxed but not represented and and the bread and circus like all this like Say what you want about Trump, but he should not be the focus of what's happening right now. And all of this partisanship is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Because the minute we want to talk about something important, something like the Capitol riots happens, and it just shifts all the attention away from all these underlying issues. We had... Uh, Ossoff and Warnock win, right? And that got... Totally buried in the media with the Capitol uh, being attacked, if you will. And, and it's just it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Uh-oh. But see, but I think we also need to have grassroots, crowdfunded activists uh, because that's kind of what politics should be, but isn't, right? Not quite. We, we do need them, but we don't trust them yet. So we have to have like an alternative that's better and more effective. And then we can actually get stuff done because the people who have the energy and passion can launch it, right? But they don't have, they don't want to deal with the politics of politics. Uh, but we are getting people to learn how to do that stuff. We are teaching them outside of the system so that they could just step into it when it's time. And they'll have the resources, they'll have the connections, they'll have the followers. And I think it's the followers that necessarily makes that easier. But if we don't even have technology to get on a laptop, Good luck. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this. Let me just let me just say this. Let me just say this quickly. Um, if if the government did their job and like they weren't messing around or whatever, and and we we got these sort of things done, um, Donald Trump wouldn't have become president in the first place. Just saying, it's it's, it's cause and effect. It's like he didn't he didn't just come out of the blue. Is like because because we know how much of a buffoon and like. Uh, narcissist he is, you know, and even though he's a reality TV star, it's like if if the government was strong, if the government like they didn't waste the people's time and stuff, and we didn't have all these problems or whatever, he wouldn't have gotten in. But you see, the, the yeah. whole premise of the two party system is that for the last since compromise became a dirty word, uh, which is decades, it didn't just happen this time around. Um, the whole premise is to keep the other guys from winning. So you don't want to give them credit for anything. 
All you want to do is sabotage whatever they're doing so that they don't get credit, so that they can get elected again. And people get more and more frustrated. So we go at, at the expense of us. Exactly, well, at the vicious. expense of all of us. Of course. We're not this vicious. We have nothing to do with this. They don't take us into account. They only take their, their extremes into account because they're the ones who vote in the primaries. One of the things about the book is they believe that we have to have open primaries. That if we get open primaries, then you can't do that because in an open primary like we have in California, we get more moderate people. Because they have to win everybody, right? They have to win people all over the state, not just the extreme, the extreme left. You know what percentage of people vote in primaries? It's like breathtaking. Something like 20% of people vote in primaries. So when you go to 50% of people vote in regular elections, and probably less in, you know, less important ones like local ones, but when you get to the point where you're actually as a, a non-involved person, but a, a, a serious voter, you're given a choice between two people for the presidency or, or for the governorship or for anything. That, that, that is because 20% of the people chose the two people. I want to point out something. Okay, so you might not have seen it, but Tiger King was like quite the the rage at some point. And essentially, um, there for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But it was two narcissistic uh, owners of uh, tiger facilities and big cats and whatnot. And essentially, uh, Carol Baskins was um, accused of murdering her husband. While Joe Exotic, the other guy, was like, she murdered, he's the accuser, right? And as he's feuding with her, uh, they, they start spending all their money on all these lawsuits. They start uh, doing really shady stuff, and, and they're just attacking each other. But you know who's actually suffering? They're tigers. They're tigers were being able to eat. Their tigers were getting aggressive because they were being ignored. And we're the tigers, guys. We have like, have to figure something out because our owners are not doing the things they need to do. And they're being like super petty and we are the ones suffering and it's not cool. <laughs> right, right. Well, what it is, is it's, it's just this vicious ping pong match. They're just lobbing this ball back and forth. It's, uh, you know, well, now Republicans are in control, so we're going to do all this contraction because all of these things, and there's all this waste, and yada, 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 and we got to tighten up the ship and make sure that everything's, you know, stern. And then and then the Democrats get in charge, and they're like, well, those, you know, none of that worked. You know, what really is happening, the Republicans are breaking the, the government when they're in charge, right? And then they say... Well, you can't let the Democrats run anything because every time that they run something, we have to come back and fix it when they're the ones that's causing that. Like, it's. Oh, well, I know that the politics, the politics right now is it's very easy to get caught up in the partisanship. But I think the interesting thing is that um, despite Andrew Yang's run for presidency, bringing the cash stimulus uh, into very into very popular uh, numbers. People still do not actually know about the universal basic income. And even though he made that his primary policy, it seems that every day I meet people who ask me, what is a UBI if I start talking about UBI? 
we have people who drop into our um, Twitch stream or into our YouTube stream and they and they want to know, what are you talking about? What is this UBI thing? Um, why do you have that in your, uh, t- you know, tags for your, uh, the interests that you uh, have? And so I think that it's really interesting that Giselle's organization is about educating people specifically about the universal basic income. And there's been a recent media push in order to, um, get this information out again, along with a, a very professionally produced uh, video blitz. Can you tell us more about your video and uh, what you're hoping to accomplish? So um, the the video is um, a pro bono thing. I would never be able to afford, you know, to do such a thing. And interestingly enough, um, the people involved uh, who don't want any credit or any mention. Um, when, when 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 they began to work on this, they knew nothing about UBI, right? I mean, they were just uh, professionals. They sell products, right? That's what they do. So I had to sort of explain to them. And uh, I started working with them uh, in September of 2019. So it took all this time to get all of this put together. Um, and what they found as they went along and what I find as I'm doing my work, professionals, people who get paid for the work they do, begin to give me pro bono time and energy because they get pulled in to the cause. I can't tell you how much money, you know, I've saved, how much volunteer, I mean, pro bono volunteer, but not from people who are, who are proponents of UBI, not the gang gang. I'm not talking, I'm talking about people who provide services. I mean, one of the things that happened at one point, this, uh, this agency, uh, put out an RFP among their own colleagues to volunteer to work on the, on the video. And they do that on a regular basis for, you know, pro bono sort of causes. They usually get one response, maybe one response. Sometimes they, nobody picks up on it. They got six. They were floored. They got six responses from a, two of them from out of the country. For you know, this is people who work in the agency volunteering to give their time to move something forward that they just found out about. I have a similar I have similar experiences in my life. So uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a nomadic activist. I've been traveling the country for two years. I've been actively helping on the Yang campaign uh, uh, messaging uh, for about a year now. And uh, because of the work I do and the fact that I live very minimally off of money, I've had to get creative. So I need to be kind of my own little spectacle to get people to look at me. But the moment they meet me, they're like dazzled and they're like, how can I help? And then I'm part of this group, right? I'm like, well, if you want to be onboarded, I have this person who can assign some homework. What kind of passion do you have? What kind of thing brings you joy? Let's activate that. And then they're just like sold. And they might have just heard about universal basic income. I just talked to this guy who's a Trump supporter, very avid still, even after what happened, uh, Trump supporter. And I was like, whoa, tell me more. What, what did Trump do to, for you? Why are you so into him? Like, tell me more. Uh, they work as a petroleum engineer 
And I was like, well, that's interesting. Uh, so obviously he's still getting money. Okay, that's probably why he's happy. But apparently a fire broke out and killed some of their friends. And it was really devastating. Uh, but they ended up getting buco bucks. And they felt very empowered by Trump because of like how he responded. And I was like, well, it sounds like there was positive impact in your life. But like, at what cost? And one of the things I try to do is I, I, I poke around looking for clean energy. I go online. I'm looking at all these other alternatives and stuff. <clears throat> but I was like, there's this giant movement you've never heard of. And it's just making massive uh, impacts and change. And he's like, oh, you're a Trump supporter too. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, actually, let me really tell you about the movement you've never heard of. And he was just kind of floored a little bit. And I was just telling him about, about all the little adventures I have. And he's like, like, the reaction was so authentic of just wanting to, like, learn more, get to know me more. But uh, if, if we can help raise awareness just to some random Trump supporter who happened to reach out to me, then like, you know, that gets another opportunity, one, outside of our echo chamber, two, a potential onboarder. And if they're still earning money, I mean, I don't try to go ask for money. If people offer me money, uh, I will take it. Um, and, and I do open asks, but direct asks I try not to do because like, unless I really need it. Like my truck broke down while I was trying to like help on the Georgia Senate uh, from like Texas to Georgia. And I did ask for a lot of help and uh, people from all over the world were donating to get my little truck fixed because of like the activism work I'm doing. And I'm like, that's wonderful. But, uh, then other people start learning how to help too. And so to help me send money, they might have to create like Venmo or PayPal if they haven't already, and they get practice doing that as well. So it almost helps other activists earn the money they need on their Patreons or through their Venmo, um, simply because they've been helping me. And I think that's kind of cute. It's a great way to onboard new people. Uh, and then I ask random strangers sometimes I meet uh, while traveling to come on our podcast. And I'm like, hey, you've been wrongfully jailed. Do you want to have a chance to talk about it on my podcast? Oh, yeah. But like, they're not normal people we would normally want to have if you were like a media person, uh, which is what the news should be anyway. We should be getting voices out for these people. They should just because they've had bad decisions in their lives or, you know, questionable at least. Uh, so uh, Giselle has gotten a lot of help um, in order to produce this video that she wouldn't have been able to afford to pay for, but um, it becomes uh, something that everybody wants to get involved in as soon as they understand a little bit about UBI. The, that's the beauty too. of it. That That's the view. Like, we try to make this so nonpartisan and so nonpolitically charged that that's why Yang got the most amount of people who previously voted for Trump to come on his thing. Because uh, the Democrats' message back, if you remember, in 2016, they, I, I hardly heard anything about economics. All I was hearing is like, oh, don't be racist, 
don't be nasty to one another, and Trump is just mean and nasty. But it's like, yeah, but can't you see that the factories are falling apart? And they're like, oh, well, well, what are you going to do? Just don't be racist. You can't, That that's not a winning message. Yeah, that, that's not a winning argument. No. So, yeah, and, and yeah, and India is African-American. So. I was going to say so, that uh, Larry probably has a lot of experience with harnessing this type of energy because you ran a super PAC for a while um, that, that was uh, providing resources to people who wanted to give energy. Yeah, uh, to, we had a lot of different people offer ideas uh, people who just came to us and were like we have an idea and we again uh, the humanity forward fund was a different kind of super PAC because we consciously asked our our supporters and people who believed in UBI and Andrew Yang to come up with ideas and if we could vet the idea and go through the process of seeing if we could effectively move that idea forward we then acted on it so a lot of our best ideas including Yang Week and Yang Month were from just volunteers and committed supporters it wasn't like uh the, the, the small group of us just came up with it ourselves. It was really due to the community. So uh, actually, I wanted to ask Giselle a question about those who volunteered and sort of responded to the RFP. Did Were you able to sort of talk with them and see why they were so interested in the first place? Because they all probably started from a specific place of what they knew about UBI or what they didn't know about UBI. So is there anything you can tell us about what they shared, about why they jumped on the proposal so quickly and so forcefully? No, unfortunately, I didn't have any access to those people. Um, okay. The team that I worked with um, was, uh, I, I think that these are very smart people, you know, very successful people in life. They have good jobs and they're very creative. Uh, they pretty much got it from the get-go. I mean, they, they, they didn't, you know, they were convinced intellectually and they understood the the, requ- the need for a mind shift. They understood the fundamental meaning of UBI. Uh, just without, just in the course of the conversations, what they were trying to elicit from me. I'm talking about the team now, not the RFP responders. With whom I had several conversations. I mean, I had to explain to them what it was we were selling, and I they. It, so, I mean, obviously, you know, they're selling uh, T-shirts and, I mean, they're selling products and they have to listen to their clients about what the product is. And so they're well-versed in that art. I mean, they know how to do that. But they they got it almost right away. So, you know, if you speak to an audience, those are not the people we have to talk to. Giselle, did you uh, did you actually provide them with the big experience toolkit? Because I was always um, I always found that to be a very wonderful tool. Did you actually give them any things like that? No, they just no. they did the discovery. No content. No content. Oh, no content. <laughs> what what, what was their the, arc? What was, was the arc of learning? learning? I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, what was their arc of learning like? What was I don't know if you can go into it about what they used as the development tool for, or what their experience was from doing the research to figuring out what the message they felt was best resonant, because there's so many messages that speak to the power of UBI and its importance. And I'm curious how they came to this conclusion in the ad. So the the process started with, um, uh, you know, the team leaders uh, knowing um, uh, the first meeting we had was, what is the point of this? What's the, what's the, the result of this, the result we decided was some kind of a petition or some kind of an ongoing thing where people could express their 
response to this, you know, in a meaningful way in a political system, but without with keeping politics out of it, you know, partisan politics. So they were very not that you know they didn't come to this with knowledge. Um, they probably knew about UBI because they savvy enough people they were following the Yanks campaign or they heard about it or they read about it. So it wasn't an entirely uh, uh, unknown thing to them. They knew, like, and but the so the way they approached it, which is is really part of their um, uh, skill set, that they approached it by testing it out. Mm. We had, you know, we, we did screen of different words and different ideas, and we did this together. I, you know, I picked or we discussed. But eventually, at the end, before they actually started working on the product, they had some, uh, a survey organization, pro bono, again, no cost, analyze this with focus groups. Mm. They identified various cohorts that would be most likely to um, respond to this and they build a message around that. Then when they tested the video, again pro bono, they had the biggest they, the, every, I mean every time we talked, they kept on being surprised at the responses they got. Okay? I mean these, you know, these are professional people who are constantly doing this 24, I mean, the whole year, that's their job, year after year, you know, and they they tested the video out, and 65% of people who viewed the video said that they would do something. You mean actually uh, action. To take an action. That's great. They have never experienced that before. So I'm saying, you know, I'm just telling you that this is an idea Whose time has come? I mean, this is such a cliche, but it is true because any reasonable person with any semblance of empathy or understanding of what it means to live in a society, I mean, I live in San Francisco downtown, okay? I pay a lot of taxes, you know, property taxes. San Francisco is a fabulous city. It's beautiful. The weather is fantastic. We had all these great restaurants. I mean, it's a great opera, everything. I mean, it's a wonderful place to live. For the last two or three years, when I step out of my my condo and I walk to the Embarcadero, I'm tripping over homeless people. So, you know, quality of life, the more I pay in taxes, the more my quality of life decreases. That's the conundrum that we find ourselves that's ridiculous yeah it it, just i wanted to ask because you said you came from a kind of a libertarian mindset before where maybe it was like i heard i hear a lot of libertarians say like taxation is theft and you know the government's always doing everything wrong but then there was probably a shift in your thinking when you saw the technological unemployment I'm I'm just thinking in your Republican and Libertarian circles. Once the idea of UBI came to you, when when you talked to the friends that you had, like as a Libertarian, were they open to it, or were they still like, no, taxation is theft. We can't do this. The government can't do anything right. Like, how was that for you? It's a kind of a split. I mean, the true Libertarians, the more intellectual ones who are very intent on freedom and see government as infringing on freedom. I mean, it's not that they're just against government. 
there's two different kinds of uh, sets of people that I was dealing with. In, on one hand, in my job, I dealt with a lot of think tanks. Um, that were, we, at the beginning of my career, we were pulled school choice. We wanted school choice. So uh, all over the states, there's an organization called the State Policy Network. That's a network of uh, think tanks that are libertarian. I mean, they don't do social issues, but they do all the taxation and all of that, you know, small government, free markets, all of that stuff. And I was so involved with them that I actually was a member of their board for 10 years. What so I mean, I knew, you know, not only what they were, but the whole zeitgeist of the I movement. Remember, I remember the Schools of Choice uh, movement, um, at least uh, back in 1980 uh, 1980s, I was participating in a... Um, in my particular town in, in California, uh, we had a schools of choice committee for our school district, and I was the only student representative on that on that group. And we created a schools of choice program for our uh, school district, ABC School District, where um, we made decisions like whether or not people would have access to buses in order to get to their other schools and so on and so forth. And it became this uh, thing. It was pushed by um, the senior Bush um, so yeah, no, uh, well, but uh, the this is not school. You did it within the the um, uh, within the public school system. Yes, they were talking about school choice where you didn't have to send your children to what they and call now uh, I homeschool. <laughs> so, right. so the, the idea was to follow the child, and the child and the parents could choose any school, private school. Yes. Parochial school, you weren't, uh, again, school you know, very libertarian, very get the government out of my life kind of attitude. So the, 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 there's the two different, you know, groups that I'm, uh, were those intellectuals who, who can be appealed to on the, in my opinion, on the, on the concept of freedom. If you can persuade them that you're not free, if you don't have control, if you don't have economic security or some level at, below which you can't fall, then they begin to listen because freedom to them is the most important thing. And as it should be for most humans. Well, I really believe that is very important. I mean, you know, in some societies, freedom is not a thing. Uh, you know, the, the, China, for example. China is a completely communitarian society. And ancestor worship, uh, you know, a whole the Confucius uh, that's, that's law. That's the culture I come from. Yeah, well, so you know. I'm not going to tell you anything, and you don't know. But, um, you know, the, the, this individualistic culture that we have is an aberration. It's, I mean, some Europeans, I mean, it's, it's not, we're not the only ones, but we certainly take it to the nth degree. It turns out, if you've read you Human Time, it do you personally do you personally feel that freedom is important to you also, or are you of more of a collective, you know, mindset? Okay, so I I was in I was a child in France when the Nazis uh, invaded. I spent the war years in France. Eighteen members of my family were deported and murdered in concentration camps. Jew, Jewish? Yeah. I'm, Jewish. I'm Jewish. Yeah, yeah. So. For five years, I lived in a society. I was a child, but I aged. I mean, I was 100 years old when I was six. I lived in a society where not only wasn't there any freedom, 
But there was such arbitrary rule that you didn't know. I mean, we have to wear the Jewish star. We didn't know whether on a fine Tuesday afternoon we'd all be picked up and sent somewhere. So for me, freedom, you know, I, I, one of the arguments I had with my libertarian, you know, with the, 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 those organizations that I was, I, I would say, your message is wrong. Because, a hundred, you know, some huge percentage of Americans, when you talk about freedom and liberty, they don't understand what you're saying. They can literally swing from the chandeliers if they want to at this point in time. Stop the first 10 people in the streets in San Francisco and ask them this question. Do you, they say, what are you talking about? You know? What do you mean? Of course, I mean, nobody stops me from doing anything I want except I can't speed or I get a ticket or I have to wear a helmet when I'm driving. I mean, this is, it's not a thing. In a society like ours, that's not a thing. Right. It's interesting when you actually look at things like policing, it's, it's random. It's arbitrary for the most part, except for the part where they're profiling who they're going to go pull over. They're hoping to catch somebody in a big crime. It's really not about investigation. It's, it's, it's like this little kind of uh, arbitrary random casino game. And gosh, your odds are even worse. The darker your skin gets and the lower your income is and the older your car is, right? Like yeah, but the, the thing is that the vast majority of the people in this country, the vast majority, never have any dealings with the police. Yeah, that that's true for me. Like, Except maybe a speeding tickets. And sometimes not even that. Yeah, As yeah. I, like, like, I wanted to... Uh, my I parents... To, uh, oh, go ahead, Izzy. Yeah, just just real quick. This just two points I wanted to make. Yeah, just going off of what uh, Giselle was mentioning about freedom is like that's that's most certainly important. And it's and you know and in a way in in this country especially we're not really free. It's just like that's that's maybe on paper, but as far as like uh, governing is concerned, and or or just like our society where it's like we're we're slaves to a certain extent, more so slaves to the system. Mm-hmm. And like, well, well, the thing instance, is, like, uh, wait, 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 hold on. I, I had, <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was, I was finished, but um, yeah, I had, a, I had a very good point. So, like, uh, first is the the taxes. We should know where our taxes are going, even though like people, people like reaffirm that like, oh, it's going to eight, it's going to here and and here, but it's that's not always the case because it's also going to the the richest folks and stuff, and and those of 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 Wall Street and and big banks and stuff, and that shouldn't be the case, like. That's 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 when that's when people get upset when they're when they gotta spend more taxes. So we should like give them, you know, we, we should like tell them constantly tell them like, yeah, this is where your taxes are going, and you know, if you pay this tax, like this is where it's going, and we gotta and we gotta you know be 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 truthful about that, and and also like um what I'm what I'm noticing why we're having all these issues is because we're we're rewarding liars manipulators and those are the corrupt you know and and from all walks of life from the top to the bottom and we should be like i believe you know kaizen was mentioning we should be holding them accountable no exceptions and we can't and we can't just get cold feet when they're like oh well but but i donated to your campaign or i did this i did this and that's like i don't care what you did was wrong and you will suffer the consequences you know end of story um a second the second is is this you know, with like UBI basic income, I'm sure 
like like uh, I'm I'm I, I guess I kind of speak for everyone, but I'm sure that the idea of UBI or basic income didn't come to people's heads, you know, instantly. Hell, not even for for Andrew Yang, like at some point. But then he was approached by you know experts like yourself, Giselle, like Scott Sands, and various various others who who you know who who know what they're talking about when it comes to UBI. And then and, and then when Andrew Yang heard it, you know, he did his research. And I mean, he's a businessman. He's a, he's an economist, so. He did his research, and based off of the data, it looks like, hey, this stuff works. And the point is not to just, you know, give people money. It's to find a way to solve these issues. If there's a better idea than UBI, yeah, let's hear it. If, is it, like, if it works, great. But, but right now, you know, it's like money, you know, this, this, this whole society economy is run by the almighty dollar. And if you need to get – and if you – if you, in order to get more opportunities or to get certain things done, or if you want to, you know, escape an environment or do A, B, and C, you need money. So giving people money is the most rational decision. That's that's the whole point. Rather than say, oh, let's give people money and that's going to like stop them from working. Uh, no. <laughs> and I, so it's um. So, I yeah, find like, it yeah. I find it interesting yeah. that Giselle came to the same conclusion that Andrew did. Is that freedom is a word that is used in marketing to the American people. That uh, when you're yeah, if is. you're corrupt, then you use it. You say freedom is uh, going to war with you know some other country. That's that's going to protect your freedom. But when in fact, um, when Andrew Yang decided to put together his UBI program, he decided that uh, you know marketing said we need to call it the freedom dividend, right? <laughs> of all of the different types of messaging that we could go with, people having a sta- stability, people having you know, caring about one another. There's so many different ways we could go in that direction. What, know, what that freedom really is. But is, uh, is, freedom is the one thing that uh, Americans really uh, respond to. Is whether the power, it's right or wrong. The, the, freedom is the power to say no, right? It's like, you can't force me to do something I hate because you're depriving me of resources. Look, let me, let me, let me tell you something. You go out in a big, in a boat, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, right? And you have tons of money on that boat, but the boat runs out of gas. You have so much freedom on that boat. You have all the freedom. You can do whatever you want, but you're going to die because you're going to starve. And you're not going to have any food, and you're not going to have any water, and you're not going to have any... You're going to have tons of freedom, but you're not going to have any resources. So yeah, there the boat has is, the boat is way, you know, that, that people understand this and, and you can't be forced to do something. And now if somebody comes to pick you up on that boat where you stranded in the middle of the sea and they say, Hey, like, we'll save you. We'll get you out of here. But first I'm going to have to have sex with you and I'm, and you're going to have to try all of my drugs and you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to do that. It's like, you see, they're withholding those resources from you. Until, you know, you're made to do what they want. If that boat saves you, wants to force you to do a whole bunch of things before they get you back to land where you can, you know, you know, go back to wherever you came from. Just they're like they're like like holding your your freedom hostage pretty much. And they're like, I will I will do I will help you out only if you do this. It's they'll make it conditional or like use it as like leverage and if and even if you have the freedom to say no, they'll be like, "Well, you have no one else to turn to. You like you you have no leverage yourself. There's nowhere else you can go, or whatever." So it's like, "Yeah, I'm your, I'm the only shot you got." That like, and and it's like they're not wrong because there aren't many other alternatives, and the alternatives cost money. 
So, and that should, that should never be the case. So, right. Yeah. Well, and, and as a, as a person with disabilities, like I can really talk to the idea that even just a little bit more money gives me a whole lot more choices in terms of how I manage my own health conditions. Like, uh, oh, yeah. regular medicine doesn't work for me. And I sent uh, Faye the other day a, a message I'd sent to a friend, like, what, six years ago, seven years ago? And I was in the process of maybe losing my kids forever and in the middle of a nasty, nasty divorce and all sorts of horrible things. And I was employed, but I was still impoverished. I still couldn't get a place to live because, you know, rents are astronomical and 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 like and i was in the middle of divorce and i didn't have financial documents you know like people didn't want to rent to me it was so hard and my you know a person that i dated a former lover of mine was telling me go to the hospital go to the hospital i've been to the hospital so many times it's not the answer it's not so I think nope. what I heard Giselle saying though is is kind of what I've said before here that instead of having organic, healthy, natural, sustainable communities where people are connected with each other and you know who your neighbors are and you all work together and you do the yard work together and the city doesn't need to have big crews with big noisy machines because the citizens have operated a system where you can go borrow it, right? Okay. Right? Okay. Here's, here's, here's the other thing. Here's here's the other thing. You know, things like hospitals and organizations, they should be the answers, but they're not because, like, the, the system and, like, how, how people are working in there, it's, it's piss poor. It's satisfactory. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really help us. So, it's, especially, like, you know, that's why, like, some people get upset when, they, when people tell them, like, oh, go admit yourself to a hospital, go get a job. Go call this hotline, do A, B, and C, because it's like it's because then it, it seems like they're blowing off rather than helping them. But like you know, there are other coaches who say that at the at the you know as a last resort, and they're not saying this to blow you up. They're just saying that because the organizations actually do help you, and they do. So, and when you give them a try, they don't waste your time. They don't give you the runaround. But how it is now in this society, in in these in these systems, these organizations, they 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 just they just waste your time, and then they tell you what you already know. So it's like, and that should never be the case. And then even like a freaking hospital can feel like, you know, a, a whole other traumatic event, a traumatic it's, experience but, when it shouldn't be. Well, but that's exactly what it ends up being. And, and that's what drives the, the profit machine is like, if you can continue to re-traumatize people every time that something bad happens, they're never going to break out of that system because it, it's kind of like an addiction. But it, but it's 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 not even that. It's the Ouroboros. It's the snake that eats itself. Well, right? That's the one question, right? What is the purpose of fill in the blank? What is the purpose of healthcare? It should be to keep us well, not to treat us when we're sick and run two million tests that cost two million dollars each. Right? What is the purpose of education? It's to make us into human beings that can live together and perpetuate the species in an orderly manner. What is our education now? A punitive system that doesn't allow the people within it to do their work. Okay? <laughs> All of those. The purpose of government is to ensure that the hedges are there so people work with each other in, the, in with, with rules that make it more enjoyable, more productive. Equitable. And, but the purpose of government is the, is the happiness of the people. 
that is the purpose of but none of these things I just named are doing what they have the purpose of because their purpose is different it's Instead the runaway being, capitalism creating yeah. industries out of all of the human needs rather than serving yeah. us. And instead like of being a, like, instead of being like actual like education and healthcare, it's like quote unquote education and healthcare. It's like it's just, that's that's pretty much what it is. Like it's, it's it says that yeah. on paper, but it's not really you know what it's it says well, going to do or right. Do. These these institutions make it about themselves, not about the people that they're serving. It's all about their ego, their pride, what they're doing. But yeah. it's like, come look at. Like, I'm sorry, but look at Trump. It's all about, like, me, 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 me. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. But, like, what about all the people? This this is a servant job. You're not – you're a servant. You're not a dictator. And, and it's not only Trump. It's all these institutions that have become, like, to self-perpetuate themselves and make profit instead of to serve. That's it. So it happens in the nonprofit world where I was for 22 years. You know, organizations start out with a cause and a purpose, and then be, the, the the death of everything is bureaucratization. Once a thing becomes a thing unto itself, instead of the thing that was meant to fulfill a why, that's it. That's it. Then you know you've lost you've lost the purpose of it, and and it becomes a thing unto itself. The Frankenstein's monster. I'm going to interrupt for a second. We have a we have one of our regular members of the crew uh, joining us. We have Refluence. Um, uh, we have Giselle uh, in in the round tra- table with us today. Um, are you familiar with her work? Are y'all caught up? Have you been able to listen to us while you've been working? Uh, yes, I watched the vods, the video back playback. So I'm I'm trying to keep up. At least. Oh yeah, I watched some of awesome. too. Yeah, <laughs> I thought she looked familiar. Yeah. So um, I wanted to actually bring it to uh, talk about how um, you know Larry and uh, Giselle, you've all both been working a uh, very long time in the in the uh, advocate space in the advocacy space for UBI, and I'm wondering if you feel that something is changing right now, or if it's always been this way because we don't have that historical perspective. Some of us, you know, we're 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 getting into it. Uh, just with Andrew Yang. But prior to this, um, I, I mean, I noticed right now that this push that you're making is in conjunction with the income movement. Is that correct? Uh, I, yes. And, yeah. uh, they're like my operational arm. You know, I'm sitting here in my little office in, in downtown so, San Francisco. Nothing that's I awesome. She's, so she got- and her, Stacey Rutland and, and all of the people who work with her are now many of whom are volunteers. Um, uh, I fund them to, you know, the capacity within my budget. Uh, and, but we work together regularly. I mean, I, we have a, a weekly phone call and we have other calls with other people that we also have on a weekly basis. So they're like my operational, the income movement. So that's wonderful. So income movement together with income movement and also, um, I guess, Yang Gang and Humanity First Movement is is partnered up with income movement. And so I feel like there's this sort of confluence and everybody's joining together. Is um, I see that Martin Luther King III is uh, now going to be part of the mayoral run, is going to be, uh, an, you know, helping Andrew run for mayor in New York City. Nice. To bring, to bring on the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, UBI pilot, I guess. I mean, we don't need uh, another one, but another <laughs> UBI um, in uh, New York City. So... 
are we going to be partnering up with the Poor People's Campaign as well? So Stacy is one of our missions, and she's partaking in it on a regular basis, is to bring together all of the, you know, the Poor People's Campaign, the Justice Collaborative. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people who are working on other things, but also like UBI, right? They have more than one cause, and they have a weekly call all those people. It's called the War Room and then they all get together and discuss and they did plan the whole this weekend. There were a number of events. Uh, you know, on Thursday we launched the video and then there were a series of events other than that. Um, Is there, may we, yeah, may we ask for an invite to the War Room for yeah. one or more of us to attend? I, I, I mentioned it to Stacy. Um, what I have is your, I have your uh, email um, Ariel, you have my, mine. Have, yeah, have yeah. Too? So definitely. Do I have yours too? Your email? I think you only mine. have mine. I don't know about everybody else, but where, you have mine. Where do we so I can give you there. I think Ariel can just you can be uh you can be the main contact, and Ariel can, can share with us. Conduit the liaison. Thank yeah. you very much. You can be the liaison. Just, yeah. So just give to Ariel. Well, Ariel will give yeah, to yeah, us. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, pass through. I'll, I'll be the liaison as in like whatever you want to tell Giselle, tell me and then I'll tell her. And if Giselle, you want to tell anything to all of them, you can go through me. Okay, perfect. Uh, what I do want to say, and I, you know, I'm a very candid person, um, as I said before, <laughs> um, there's not nearly the amount of collaboration that there could be among the groups that... Um, that supported Andrew, uh, the you know the Yang Gang universe, and the uh, the organizations that Andrew established afterwards. All that it's not entirely. I mean, we're not we're losing we're losing power because uh, there's a lack of coordination. I mean, it's and cohesion. We see that. We see that too. We see that agree. too. That's it, why, like. I hundred percent agree with you, Giselle, when you said that, because like that's why I'm trying so hard to like bring that sort of collaboration. But I'm also like putting my foot down at times when th that collaboration is only like selective or oh, we'll choose this person because we like them instead of you or all this stuff. When in actuality, we should be on the we should be like doing what we can to solve these issues and save lives or whatever to prevent more catastrophes from happening, like what happened in freaking DC. You know, let's let's. You know, that's that's to like prevent, you know, the future from being more brutal or whatever. But it's like um it's like I mean that's that's why that's why like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a big time critic and I that's what I try to push for because this is this is important and we need to be a cohesive unit. You know, forget all like the, the yeah, all like Giselle said, all the all the people that, that, that back Yang and the big names and organizations or whatever. What it comes down to is like is like what can what can, how much can we get done and like are we able to, you know, go against these, these, uh, this oligarch, th these oligarchs and the top 1% or whatever, you know, are we just going to collapse with ourselves or, or, or can we, can we get this done? You know, and I mean, that's, and that's, that's, that's the goal here because this, because we, we can't, we can't do it. Just we we, we like, cannot, you know. we, we cannot turn this into a popularity contest. We all need there to be go, working right. together. 
This is not a popularity contest. These are like people's lives. These are policies. This is like for for the future. And what are at stake? Yeah. Like I'm not going to name names, but there are some people trying to turn this into a popularity contest, into a cool yep. kids club, and all that stuff. And I am a hundred percent against that. We. This is not a reality TV show. Oh. Not a popularity contest. This policy. Let's hear what. Yeah. Let's what. Let's hear how Giselle ha- would like to um, uh, um, ask us to work together better. Is there is there some way that we can you know participate in a more cohesive manner? Well, I think that um, something that's probably not possible because it doesn't happen in you know in bureaucracies and in uh, everybody is very uh, protective of their brand and they're you know but but imagine I mean for instance I'll just give you uh, for instance uh, through the campaign Andrew's organization accumulated hundreds of thousands of email addresses and people who reached out if I were them and the video came out I would send that video to all those hundreds of that doesn't cost me anything I'm not giving the names and addresses of my supporters or anybody in my, you know, thing to somebody else for control. What does it, it takes what? It takes two minutes to send an email with, oh, look at this video that talks about you. And I don't understand why that doesn't happen. This is the problem. Okay. When I, two minutes, maybe I think it's worthwhile. Not only do I send it out, I don't have that many followers, I'm not an influencer or anything, but, but also I try to figure out, is there somebody I know who could help this person, who could work with this person and then amplify what this person is saying? That's then, what our Faye does, <laughs> the other Faye here. <laughs> no, well, that's literally what I've been saying this, this entire time. Literally what Giselle is mentioning, like, hey, uh, like, cause, like, every, every second counts, and it only takes... You know, a couple minutes of your time to do the right thing to help. Yeah, somebody it's not. Else it's not it. rocket science. It's not. No. It's not a new white freaking idea. And like because Giselle said it, it's like oh, it's not like a waking awakening moment. Like I've been saying that people well, are like <laughs> f you. Giselle's, uh, it's like I think I think when Giselle says it, she says it with a certain level of gravitas, but also because um, she's been working, you know, through through with so many uh, different organizations. I think it's a very valid criticism and one that we've made before, um, you know, that when Andrew's campaign ended, we didn't actually have a very good, um, we didn't have a coming together where the grassroots could finally actually speak to the campaign itself because uh, there was this... Uh, this right. thing was happening during the Democratic, uh, um, what do you call it, primaries, where um, the grassroots people who were working through super PACs weren't able to communicate with the campaign itself directly because there was so much pushback against the super PAC. Uh, somehow super PACs were considered uh, unethical in some way and, and we were undesirable. But when we're, we're like, no, they, they fundraise for the grassroots. We, this is what we need. We need more money to the stuff done so here's here's the other thing here's another thing that that that, like that i find just very unnerving and that is like hold on i just wanted to let me just finish the the thought which is that that um unfortunately we didn't have that uh post-mortem where we come together 
and you know speak about what what our experience was and really um, communicate that to the campaign. And so some of the same problems that plague the you know presidential campaign, I think, is going to continue going forward now that he's jumped into another race. And we're going to be back in the same sort of, you know, well, there's the campaign and then there's the grassroots and everybody's just kind of unable to, um, you know, mesh together. Um, I I'll hope that that can be Some resolved. of the messaging. I think I we think need that, to change some of it. I think that some of the rules won't apply now because it's instead of a federal campaign, this is a, a city campaign. So hopefully, you know, uh, the, this can still be ameliorated. And so uh, we're going to have Dr. Quintus Jet on next week, um, I think. And he also ran a super PAC for, um, you know, in support of Andrew. And uh, we're going to be talking more about that idea of freedom when he gets on here because well, I, I, I do. Really I, I, Thanks, Izzy, I for do, waiting I for do, I do want to say that, um, that uh, you know, and that's this what I find very unnerving. And that is like, you know, Going like what Faye was saying, like oh, because Giselle said in like a uh, what was a gracious gravure or you know nice way when Gravitas. that that should that should never be yeah yeah that's that should never be the case. I mean, we shouldn't be about like you know feelings. That, that's that's one of the biggest problems. Like we're about like oh you know you got to say things nicer or you got to use your words in a more uh like insightful or poetic way you and like otherwise it's just a rant or whatever when it's like you should be listening to that person no matter what it's like for, for, forget your feelings people are dying okay you know it's like you know like our, our our economy is is our economy our society is crumbling people are are polarized and all so it's like, like who, who cares how how a person you know uh, you know, address these issues or whatever, whether they they say it in a mean way or if they or they're more you know angelic about it. it the point behind it is like is you listen, you take notes, you take action, and you get the stuff done. Forget about like oh you gotta be you gotta you gotta you know oh I'm, you can't talk to me that way because I'm in a certain mood. No, okay, it's like I mean, it's we like, have or, to or be I'm we have to personally be. We personally have to be proof of concept of all the things that we're talking about. We we can talk all day, but unless you're actually doing it and sharing what you're yeah, doing, people you won't believe you. They'll just like, oh, well, that sounds all great, but are you actually doing anything? It's, yeah, I think yeah, that, like Izzy saying that there's that sort of this, there's too much emphasis on how something is said or who is saying it rather than what is being said and how Substance. how it's affecting average people everywhere, the normal people, as the raw normal people. <laughs> you can say that uh, if you overlook human nature. I mean, when I was running for Congress and I went to candidate school, they said to me, you have seven seconds to hook them with something that they listen to. And I'm afraid that's true of all human conversations. That's I crazy. mean, I... If you, you know, you could, true, there are, you know, there's sometimes uh, a pony under all of that, but normally people don't want to put up with all of that, right? I Just mean, no. How do you go to candidate school? Because Kaizen here is, is thinking about uh, running for office soon. And we have other another member who is coming on in a couple of weeks to tell us about how he's going to run for president, uh, not president, for well, um, Congress. <laughs> 1998, uh, the Republican Party, which is what I was running, and I had, you know, the Bay Area, there was a candidate school that I went to, and, you know, they gave tips, and they gave them, it was, I think it was a day-long kind of seminar thing, 
Um, and that was what they did. I mean, that was in my name. I'm sure yeah. that, uh, and if the Democrats don't have that, they better. I mean, I can't yeah, <laughs> not in it's, Texas. It's we don't well, have I, we don't have any money in Texas. So the Democratic Party in Texas is very poor because we are not the majority. And so the number of people you you are able to get in your in your group determines how much money you're going to be able to raise. And it's very uh, to me, it's like there's so little support, and then it just continues being less and less support if you stay in that group. That you know, it's almost like uh, in order to you know, improve your circumstance politically. You, now you have to, you know, well, jump ship. I mean, think about the culture that we live in. Everything is a soundbite. Everything, like a commercial that you see, come and thing, and and then and then when you read the the like prescription drugs is like fast, and then all the side effects. This may cause that. Okay, we're done. It's it's like yeah. So so the culture is like this culture of hyper, uh, kind of like attention distraction. Something like Very that. Go ahead. In, like, yeah. Well, I mean, escape escape is an important coping mechanism if you're trying to heal from trauma, and if we're constantly being bombarded with traumatic images and the that's not escapism <laughs> and, and in our lives and have systems like continuously oppress us. It, it's, I mean, it's it's like it's a distraction, but it's not a healthy one. It's not that's the escapism same as, like, or steroids. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's just. You know, steroids are like- useful for a, for a while, but they can also really wreck your body. So it's all—it's always about finding that level of balance and and in in Quaker language, discernment of what the right thing, and 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 you have to have time and space and quiet in order to figure that things out. And that is things that this culture doesn't have right now. Everything that we have I- is a toxic replacement for the thing that it should be naturally it's about so we're building entertainment you know exactly so like we're building institutions to replace what would happen naturally if we all had that same foundation and i've thought a lot about the game monopoly right and and how is that game different than what we do right now and the biggest difference is when you pass through you oh, get two hundred. You get two hundred exactly. Nobody starts with zero in Monopoly. Why would they do it in real life? <laughs> I think exactly. game is called Monopoly. Honestly, Ruffles wants to say to something. Every conservative, every single conservative out mm-hmm. there. My pitch is: you want to play Monopoly? Okay, let's do it. But you have to have that mm-hmm. floor in order to play Mm -hmm. and you guys know it and you've stolen it from us the people since this nation was founded basically but what we had then that we don't have now is free land right you're appealing to their heart and that's not possible i mean if they had <laughs> we wouldn't be where we are. I mean, we would never have gotten to where we are. It's the quality of life question, right? I mean, how? What kind of life will you have if you have to live in a gated community and go everywhere in a tank? Because the you know the the pitchforks are waiting. There's so you. many people who have nothing. We've created dangers to ourselves. 
Yes. Yeah, Just I'll eat the, the, I have a little gift that I use all the time, and it's this lady in her. It, she looks like a Quaker with this big pitchfork. Just right. Oh, yes. Because who doesn't feel that way? I do as a woman for sure. I'm just like, I'm tired of being told what to do by every man I encounter. No offense to the room, but I'm, I'm tired of it. I have my own plans. Thanks. I don't need, I don't need you to tell me, but I need you to help me with the heavy lifting. And that's just because my biology is different, but I get to carry the babies. So can, can we, can we make a deal here? And I know every person in this podcast works that way. And so do most of the people in the room, except for not when I'm having a conversation with my manager, when I've worked for a firm for 12 years and I'm making $12 an hour and I have a master's degree, right? And I've served as an assistant manager and a manager for this company for the, the time that I've worked for them. And they're hiring in brand new trainees at $12 an hour. And I want to raise, sir. I've earned it. I'm one of the people that knows what to do. I train these people. And his answer was, well, but we start people at way above minimum wage. We pay way above minimum wage. That is an incorrect answer, sir. And I tender my resignation now take me off your payroll. And that's I and that's when I became who I am right now. Basically, I had to let you it go. Took a stand. You finally <laughs> took a stand. So, Reflens, yeah. you had something you wanted to um add here? Do you still remember? Right. Um uh back to the point where our culture on the topic of culture. Um uh, the playing field or the game of monopoly as we like to call it. Um it gets very different uh, these times around because when the the way I see it, um, people can and a lot of them, most of them, they become very numb to the information that's being fed to them. So, like what uh, Izzy was saying, or some people were saying, like um, some people get affected by these. Uh, like Capitol Hill, like oh, these bad things are happening, and then the next day you're like, oh, I'm just still doing my job. Like, I, I didn't really. I mean, it it's it's hard. People talk about it, but on, on the same point again, we're we're not also doing. Uh, I mean, like for me, I wish I could do something about it, but I and and my power to do so, I I don't because I'm I'm I have I have like a full-time job i'm trying to make ends meet i I live with my mom i'm trying to get to college like a lot of young people want to try save the world like their own hero like that's called that's that's some kind of heroism yeah but yeah but a lot of us in this room and a lot of us listening and watching there needs to be some sort of action need to be done to to um i mean i mean biden's elected right he's he's elected trump's trump's not out yet but he is soon, right? I'm asking a question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, well, I mean, so, if you're a proponent of you, uh, right. and if you, this is the club that you're espousing, then, you know, income movement has a task that you could do every day of the week that takes you two minutes, five minutes, whatever. Right. So it's not that the opportunities aren't there. It's just... That young people Another just thing. Uh, part of the uh, part of the natural thing want things to happen right away. Nothing happens right away. Right. Nothing happens right away. 
It took 70 years for women to get the vote. It took 50 years for gay people to be able to get married. It, it took, I mean, it, it, it takes an enormous amount of time to get change in a huge society like ours. And it's drip, drip, drip. It's the Chinese water torture. You've got to just keep at it. And it's not as if I understand, you know, people, I'm not in that circumstance. I have the freedom of doing whatever I want. I don't have to worry about my next paycheck. But there is time, you know. I mean, if you just, if everybody who cares about UBI just spent five minutes every day to check what Stacy has planned, a letter to your congressman, a, 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 a petition signing, a participation in a, in a you know in a in a podcast, you can do these things as little as three minutes and as much as an hour, and you can be part of something. And you know you do have weekends. You do. I mean, obviously, it depends on the amount of passion you have for the thing and you do have a, a real life I mean, no question I remember having a conversation with my son way back when when you know he, social security looked like it was really going to go bye bye and I, he was 37 at the time I said Gerald you're a very involved person you care about these things you know you're not going to ever get social security why aren't you doing something about that and he said mom I've got a life you know that's and people uh, <laughs> have a life, and it's very. But but I'm telling you, Americans, I'd better wake up to the fact that they have to do this, regardless of what life they have. Because they're not going to have a life anymore, or any kind of life that's like what we have now, which is horrific as it is. Because you know, this epidemic isn't the last one. This, this economic crisis isn't the last one. You have children, actually, watch them, you see... What and, in, and in California, the fires are never the, the last. The fires, there's floods, the hurricanes, I mean, all of that. It's not, you know, this is a species-threatening period. And if you don't do something as an individual that's part of the species, like bees do, or chimpanzees do, or all the other animals on this planet, we're going to be eliminated, and we may take the planet with us. Well, I uh, actually wanted to. But I'm looking at my grandchildren. Yes, will be alive at the end of this century. You understand? So I that? actually, I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about the current events and how you're feeling about um, the certain events that are happening now. Um, let's talk about that two thousand dollars cash stimulus. Do you yeah. feel that that is a good um, a good precursor to the UBI that we're you know? Right now, we're talking about increasing the check from six hundred to two thousand, and then we're talking about maybe making it recurrent one day, or maybe making it even retroactive. Or do you think that any of these possibilities could be coming for us? I think that it opens the door. I mean, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than pessimistic. I'm maybe fifty-two percent to forty-eight percent. Uh, only because of the, you know, the machinations of the of the political system. I mean, when they have to vote on this, they have to understand that it means something. Because if it doesn't mean anything, they're not going to agree to it. I mean, it means something to them personally. It, it has an effect on their career, you know, on what's going to happen to them. I think that um, 
I, I, I'm just, you know, when I read on Twitter that these arguments, they said $2,000 and now it's only $1,400 because we are, I, I drives me bananas. My hair's on fire. I am <laughs> this stuff. I cannot abide it. The amount of energy and, well, anyway, Twitter is not the place to think about this. But yes, I, it's not. <laughs> the fun, I just applied for an H option, which enables me to uh, participate in lobbying. Um, as a 501c3, you know, 20% of my budget to go to lobbying. So I'm, I've hired a consultant who's working with the Economic Security Project and with the uh, Humanity Forward uh, 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 consultants in Washington to, to make this happen. And we are very encouraged because we think that once... Once you start, we're trying to see whether it can be made recurring. If there's a way to make it recurring, even for three months, right? Because it's madness. If people get $2,000 now, what's going to happen at the end of February? I mean, time marches on. Money isn't coming in. The rent is still due. I mean, it's not. So we're... We were thinking that if we could introduce, if we can make it recurring in whatever, not to an amount, you know, not, not getting married to a particular amount, but make it recurring for the duration, even to the summer, even to the point where everybody's vaccinated, because economically or calibrated to the economy. Right? Calibrated to the economy where the trigger is if we go below 5% unemployment or whatever, which is not true, you understand. The GDP and the unemployment rates are fictions. They're not real things. But nevertheless, that's what we use. So we're not going to get unemployment anytime soon, let me tell you that. But we, we feel that this is a very good moment, that the, the fact that the um, that they're willing to entertain another uh, another check, you know, after the one that they sent before. Uh, we're pushing to make it recurring. Now, those are the words we're using, recurring, 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 because the administration is going to be facing this at the end of February again, at the end of March and, again. And they may be, the Senate may be busy talking about the impeachment again. And it's because the impeachment has, is done from the House and it's being sent to the Senate, but they're not going to discuss it until Biden comes sure. online. And so it's, it may I, be I just saw on CNN. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw on CNN, we have 400,000 400, coronavirus deaths. It, it, they said it's predicted in February to go up to 550,000 thousand deaths in the prediction so we're talking about 150,000 additional deaths we don't think that that's going to have some kind of effect on our overall economy so just like you said in february we're seeing this thing spike up like crazy and they're just talking about oh we'll just do this thing one time do you take a shower only once do you change your clothes only once do you brush your teeth only once Get it together. <laughs> so I know that uh, the UBI, for example, would have been a, a better inoculation than even the vaccine for all of this that has happened. We we could have for sure prevented people from getting together and doing and going oh, to yeah. work and searching for more work in a time when everybody should be staying home. Oh. I mean, if you're gonna make if you're gonna leave it up to people to stay home, then at least give them something with which to stay home. They don't have the freedom to do that even. 
Uh, but uh, let's talk about uh, also what do you believe that there might be some violence coming up? Because I also believe the UBI would be an inoculation for the violence that that seems to be constantly looming over us, having seen what happened at the Capitol. Do you feel that there might be more violent acts that that um, in our country for 2021? It's inevitable. I do. I, I think that there will be more violence. I don't think that UBI can stop that. No, I think that uh, the, the violence is inherent. Uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot of uh, saying, you see all these people saying, this is not what we are. This is precisely what we are. This isn't just happening now. It's happened a million times before. That cultural you know, thing has been around forever. I mean, since the beginning of this country. And it's, um, I think that, you know, with, with the social media and the dark channels and all of that, it's more and more dangerous because people can be put together. My opinion is every single one of those people they arrested in the Capitol that they're identifying and arresting should get 10 years in jail. That's it. It's sedition. I mean, they, they, they vandalized a, 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 a federal building. Trump wrote, uh, has an executive order, in effect, that says you get 10 years maximum if you face from, from what was happening in the summer. So we've got an executive order on, in place that can remain if Biden yeah. remove it, right? It's the law of the land. Yeah, yeah. I would throw 300, 500 people in jail for 10 years. They were hoisted also, by their own petards. So, you know, that's never yeah. going to happen. What they're, what they're doing is that like, most of the things that I see that they're holding them responsible for is, you know, a year in jail, maybe three months in a, in a, in a you know, a, a local jail. I tap it on, on the wrist. No, these people, because a lot of them are middle-class people. At least a they're inevitable are, human yeah, needs I, to be met in jail. One of them flew... Yeah, go ahead, Izzy. No, I'll just... I'll just I, 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 did, I really want to be disappointed since we are on the subject. Yeah, I mean, this could have been prevented ahead of time. See, see, this, this and this is why, like, I, I just get so upset when I see people... You know, just uh, uh, abandoning various others because of for reason X or whatever, and and it's a petty reason usually. When in actuality, like if you help them, it can it can change the course of history. It can stop like these sorts of occurrences from happening. But it's like they don't they don't see that. They just look at the short term and go, is he, is he oh, though, hurt my feelings or whatever. Is he though? These were like middle class, sometimes rich people. So I don't know if that works for them. They weren't really like people on the margins of society. It just shows you their sense of entitlement. Yeah, yeah, I, I, right. But you're right about help people before yeah. they go mad. But the thing is that one of them flew a private jet down to the Capitol to be part of that. So, yeah. so these are these are these are not like people that I have any sympathy for. And I mean, Giselle, you as a Holocaust survivor, 6MNE Camp Auschwitz, what the hell is that? You know, well, yeah, to, 10 we, years. But, but let's not, free, but here's the thing, here's the thing, though, I mean, because there are, there are, you know, yeah, you, you get those who, like, you know, who just, they think they can just wreak havoc and do whatever they want, but you also have those who just been, uh, they just been so messed up that 
yeah, they're they're yeah, they're gonna join this radical group or whatever. I mean, these these cults and gangs and terrorist organizations, they recruit those who are vulnerable, those who've been abandoned by society or even by groups who thought they were, you know, they were, you know, supporting them or whatever. And it's like, yeah, they, they, yeah the cult was like, true. don't worry, I'll I'll take I'll take care the gangs like, don't worry, I'll take care of you. You just gotta do this or whatever. When if we Yeah, if we yeah, that, them, that that's true. Well, I mean, like, if we if we treat them like like family, like like they belong, and at the beginning they wouldn't they wouldn't have you know turned into this. Now that's not to excuse their behavior. Like if you do this, like there's going to be consequences, you know. But also, like if you if you just shut the door on somebody, th- that too has has consequences. You can't just say, oh, uh, if I if I just let this person just uh, like if I let them like rot away somewhere, they're just going to die in a ditch and not going to become this bad person whatever when that's it's like that's not always the case it will hurt you in 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 the long run so it's like we got to be careful you know who we take advantage of who we uh you know turn our backs on whatever because you you never know what they could become you you never know so it's like i mean that's so it's not like it's you're not only saving so it's not about like just saving the life but multiple lives and it's like you know they they can you know forget like just being a like some mass shooter or whatever they could yeah they could join a cult or they could become a a a uh, a police officer, a doctor, a politician, a parent. They could become any of those things. They could like just keep on, you know, spreading the poison or whatever. And the goal is to stop the poison from spreading, you know. And that and that and all it takes is to you know do the smallest things like uh you know like uh telling someone like hey you know hey let's go get something to eat let's go hang out you know. It's like you know you're all right with me. Also, just talk to them like like a regular human being, and not like yeah. walk right past them or talk to them and like a, like like they're like you're trying to play the therapist or whatever. And like and when you get mad because they didn't take your suggestion, yes, because your suggestion is crap. And also like when I hear people say you know oh we support well we support people we su- we support you know we support is women he? we support people of color or whatever. And yet there are people who are in those groups who are being you know, toss aside or whatever in real time. And I'm sitting there going like, I thought you said you were for, like they represent this group. And it's like, it, it just seems, you know, hypocritical, whatever, you know, and as here's, here's the other thing. Um, in Canada, the French, you know, the, this, this conservative culture or whatever, like they don't, they don't just say that they support, you know, person X or person Y, they show it by their actions. They don't say they support women's rights. They show it. They don't say they they support you know black lives. They show it. They don't say they support those who learn disabilities or autism. You know, treat them fairly, or whatever. They show it. So it's like you know they let their actions do the talking. Those are people I respect, and those who just you know say the right things but don't really follow through. And I have a, you know they like yeah. I have a you're phrase right, that's right. very uh, complimentary to what you're saying, and it's uh, when we lie to the world, we uh, we may lie to ourselves, but then we will lie to the world. But our actions don't lie, and those don't go unseen, right? Yeah, and exactly. One, one of the things, I mean, I, I don't uh, entirely agree with you. I, I do think that you have to be nice to people, all of that, and you can't, you can't automatically, you know, write them off. You have to listen to them, and, they, you know, you have to make a judgment about who they are, whether you want to continue to associate with them. Part of that is their responsibility. I don't just... You know, like everybody, I I I discriminate. Yeah, yeah, you know the line. Yeah, but, but there's a fantastic. I don't know if you've seen it on on Twitter. There's a fantastic TikTok one minute thing. A young man 
who, who, who addresses Patreon. He said, you say you love America, but you hate, you hate that. And he goes on for a minute and a half of all the things that these people hate and say they hate. Right. <laughs> so at the end, he says, so how do you love America? I mean, he names all the things that America is. You hate the government, you hate the land, you hate, I mean, and those are, this is what these people are. They, they are in an existential threat to them. They feel that their country is being taken away from them. Well, they're not even a threat. It's like they're, but they're treated like a threat. You know, it's like that's that's the whole thing, but rather than like, oh, let's not like every, let's not like everybody. It's like, it's, yeah. how they feel. You can, they may, it's not true, obviously. I mean, it's just like the Latinos, you know, who are Trump supporters because they came from Cuba and Venezuela. You just say the word socialism, and boom, that's it. And all you have to do is point to what happened last week, and that's fascism and that's what's coming for them okay so socialism is a non-word and fascism is happening right now in that country yeah that that's that's amazing so you bring that up yourself it, it, my, my 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 parents from iran you know like that you heard of the revolution that's like when khomeini came and he he took over so so my my mother is still a trump supporter because oh he's like pro-israel and he's against socialism but then i i put my head over, no mom like look further than that you can't just be like a one issue one thing and that's it you have to expand you know the, the there's a whole frame here and you're just zooming in on one piece and you just have the blinders on you know that's what i try to tell her and then you you have the conversation stoppers. I mean, when I was in education, I remember I went to a conference and I was a, a, school, a school choice conference they, where they trotted out a couple of black people, you know, I mean, this was in the, in the early 20s and 2000s, uh, who were part of, you know, the conference so that they gave some meaning to it because it's mostly aimed at African-American kids who were in, you know, places where the education was so horrible. And I was having this conversation with this father um, and I was saying, but what about the quality of the education? I mean, the choice is one thing, you know, yeah. don't you want your child to be well-educated? I mean, if you choose a school, don't you want to make sure that the school is producing a good education? And quality he said, quantity. Well, let me finish. He said to me, I'm just concerned that he comes home alive. And that's the end of the conversation, okay? That's the end of the conversation. You can't well, talk I, about the quality of education when when the father is worried that if he go, if his child goes to a non school a school that's not sad. Like that, that's he's not so sad. And that's, and that's yeah, where I live in Kansas City. And and I I had a conversation when I was running for Congress. I was supported by Republicans. There were a number of pro, I mean uh, pro life people. And I was in a, somebody was driving me somewhere, and we were having this conversation. He was trying to convince me, and I kept saying it's freedom. A woman has the freedom to choose what she does with her own body, you know. And at the end, he said, well, you don't understand. He said, I wake up every morning and I think I live in a country where babies are being murdered. At the end of the conversation. I mean, I'm saying that people, and you could do the same thing with me. You can argue with me about poor life and there'd be an end to that conversation. Because I say something that is not, you, you can't argue against. I mean, you can't convince people from about the other side. It's, it's, there's a line. So the, the thing that you have to do is to find something that people agree with you on and leave everything else aside. 
try to concentrate on the thing that you that you can agree on. And I think you begun poverty sucks. Yeah. So yeah, and I think uh, the universal basic income we need to lean harder on the word because universal means all of us, and that that means having to really work on these divisions that are dividing us. So we are reaching the end of our scheduled time together, and I really appreciate. Uh, both Larry yeah, and Giselle it. for coming today and Refluence for joining us, uh, all the regular speakers. Thank you very much. And of course, I never want to leave out our, our listeners and our viewers. Um, really appreciate you for joining us today. Um, I hope that uh, we can get, maybe all of us can do one thing, which is write to Andrew and ask him to send out that beautiful video that Giselle put together with her organization uh, to his email followers. I believe that Andrew could hear us if we have enough people asking. So um, thank you very much for coming to our show. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, where you would like other people to find you or maybe make a donation or, you know, show up and uh, put their energy forward? How can they connect with you on social media, Giselle? So um, it's a Gerald Huff Fund for Humanity or for, at Fund for Humanity on Twitter. It's the only place where I'm active. Uh, the uh, Gerald Huff Fund for Humanity.org is the website and all my tweets are posted there and various things. And if I get a copy of this, there'll be a copy of this posted there as well. Um, uh, and um, I'm, uh, I'm self-funding this. Um, I mean, you know, the crowdfunding is not something that works for this. This is um, friends and family kind of thing. And um, I have, so I can't do pilots. I can't do those kinds of things. But I am a, in, in my field, I was working for a foundation for 22 years. And we made investments in organizations that were working on education. And I was called the, I was the, the best ROI of any foundation person ever, which is, you know, the fact that we had a small, compared to the Gates Foundation, I, you know, with whom I was, when we were on the same page, um, we, we were not even a drop in the bucket. But I managed to make other people do what I wanted. So, you know, I, I came up with I had other people on board and, you know, I spent $550,000 over three years and wow. $80 million were invested afterwards in, you know, simultaneously and afterwards in that, which was the charter school movement. Very good. So, you know, and the blended learning movement, the introduction of technology. Uh, so, here in Kansas City. My children go to Citizens of the World, Kansas City, which is uh, has three charter schools. They're public charter schools in uh, Los Angeles, Kansas City, and Manhattan. So this is something that I share with Andrew Yang's community. And I do believe that you guys have helped um, with the Citizens of the World in, in some form. And so um, I'm, I'm so grateful to have that because... We've politicized, you know, there, there's the monetization of schools and then there's what Citizens of the World does, which is really focus on social emotional learning in addition to the academics and is a living kind of, uh, you know, it's a community school. It's a neighborhood school. It's uh, based in Valentine um, area in Kansas City, which is a historic area and wonderful people and all sorts of arts and, and it's beautiful. I, you know, this is my home and, um, so it's it's 
fun to see how I'm personally connected to something <laughs> that you help build for my very impoverished city. For our listeners and anybody that doesn't know, the Kansas City, Missouri uh, school district, public school district, is not accredited and hasn't been going on on and off for decades. We get provisional accreditation. It's 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 so bad. It's so bad. And uh, Missouri really has had some problems really this last decade, and education is a big part of it. Um, and the school-to-prison pipeline is, is very strong here in Missouri, and it's very sad to see. But, you know, it's beautiful to see the grassroots pushback of people in their communities standing up and saying, oh, hell no, <laughs> we're done with you deciding that because I'm standing on the street corner and I'm black, that you get to arrest me and then go go make me work for your system with no choice for the rest of my life. Like, what, what is that? That's terrible. Okay, um, Kai, that do you want to go ahead and do your closing while you're, while you're speaking? I will do an outro. Yes, I will. So I can uh, focus on my, uh, my producer role. Uh, my name is uh, Kai Zen KC. That is at K-A-I-Z-E-N-K-C. I hail from the Penn Valley Religious Society of Friends Quaker Meeting House. So greetings to any friends that might be watching. I'm hoping we can start building some Quaker viewership. I think they will really enjoy all of these discussions. I encourage everybody to keep the eye on the future. We're, we're just getting it started. But this is beautiful. So thank you, Giselle, for all your time. I can wow. be found at Twitter, um, Patreon. And Cash App, PayPal, it's all the same. You'll find me. Very good. How about Ariel? Thank you for inviting Giselle today. Yes, that was wonderful, Ariel. Thank you for having me. I mean, this has been fun. I love you. I could do this all day. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you you're can. just like me. Me too. You can. It's, 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 it's the thing. The thing is, is well, that, yeah, like, please I, I, come back. I have a... Please come uh, back. That's... I, I have I have a passion for just speaking, public speaking, and riling people up, and getting to the heart and the core of the issues. And whoever wants to do that with me, invitation. So I'll give out my outro. My name is Ariel Bakshende. You can find me on Twitter at Ariel's Ariels. So that's A R I E L S A E R I A L S. I love everything that flies. Planes, helicopters, drones. Uh, that's why, like, like I take I take these drone photos and I post them up on Twitter. And I also have a YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash/revolutionarythinking. You can come find me there. We'll have lots of fun. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. All right, my name is Faye Koo. I'm here in Palestine, Texas. So my Twitter is at Palestine Math. Make America Think Harder. And um, looking forward to supporting Andrew and his mayoral run. But more importantly, we found the community that is uh, the, of utmost importance to me, the UBI advocates. And so um, I, with that, I'd like to pass to Larry Cohen. Yeah, I'm Larry Cohen. You can find me on Twitter at Larry Cohen, L-A-R-R-Y-C-O-H-E-N. And my website, buildthefloor.org. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, are, Izzy, are you ready? Izzy. Your Izzy, you're not ready. Oh, there we go. Sorry. I was, I yeah. was, uh, nah, it's okay. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I should have to wait for a bit. Um, yeah, so um, I'm so I'm Izzy Ishmael Izzy Bolden, uh, and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, various other places. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at uh, Izzy Bolden I Z Z Y B O L D E N. Yeah, Facebook, you know, just search for like Ishmael or. or or Ishmael Bolden or Izzy Bolden, I-S-M-A-I-L. Um, and I'm also on TikTok and Twitch um, at, um, you know, Izzy Reborn 92 That's I S at I-Z-Z-Y-R-E-B-O-R-N-92. I believe that's it. Um, and I also have, I'm also on YouTube and I have podcasts. My YouTube pages is... Uh, is Izzyland YT, I Z Y L A N D Y T, and I'm actually working, I, I, and I'm serious, I actually am working on another video, so yeah, stay tuned for that. And you know, it has nice visuals and all sort of stuff. And you know, my podcast is Izzyland Uncut, I Z Z Y L A N D Uncut, um, where there's, you know, we just get none but ugly truths for all emotions, barely any interruptions. You know, talk about various, various have have various great discussions, and actually have actually actually uh, plan on doing an interview. Uh, you know, this coming Saturday, and yeah, I'm I'm going to try to like uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to like you know still work at the stream yard and try to like I'm going to see try to like stream it on like YouTube or Twitch and stuff. You know, maybe bring Craig on, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, uh yeah, if, if you're if you're interested on becoming a on becoming a guest yourself, definitely, um, you know, definitely contact me, you know, send me a direct <clears> message, you know, at Izzy, Izzy Bolden on, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely set some up and we'll have a great discussion and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's so. all I got to say for now. I'm, I'm pretty burned out. Thank you, Ishmael. <laughs> let's, let's go to, uh, Faye Doney. Hello. My name is Faye. Uh, so my Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok is Tizdoni. Uh, but if you want to just like cyberstalk me, my link tree uh, uh, handle is also Tizdoni. So it's linktr.ee backslash Tizdoni, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. Um, I am uh, trying to raise funds right now for a trip. Uh, essentially, I'm going on tour across the United States, uh, and I'm going to be um, collecting tools for my grandparents who used to build schools, churches, and um, houses for people in other countries. They're retiring so uh, from that work. So I'm going to collect all the tools and then um, trade and barter my way through the United States uh, to get people what they actually need. And uh, I got some stops. Uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Texas, and I'm currently in Alabama. So uh, it's going to be fun. If you want to reach out and maybe meet me, I'm going to get my vaccine <laughs> in Texas. Uh, so, you know, um, like I can get you on my route. So anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, if you click the link tree, you can find ways to help me fund that if you so desire. Thank you. All right. And Reflence, do you want to have people connect with you by social media? Yes. Hello. My name is Reflence. You can pronounce it any other way, but it's uh, R-E-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. And um, I made a project. It's called uh, Gaming for Humanity. And um, uh, it's like it brings meditation and focus into gaming. That's the basic gist of it. But if you Google me on 
influence on any anything like Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitch, YouTube, gaming for humanity and influence. They're they're all the same thing. So thank you very much for having me here. All right, thank you for joining. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Show. One more one more thing. Sorry. Oh yes, go ahead. I'm from I'm from Hawaii, 808 state. <laughs> yeah, that's thank awesome. You. Look how we're live streaming across uh, so many different time zones. All right, Shale, go ahead. All right, thank you so much, Gazelle. I, uh, you know, I did not chime in too much. I wanted to let everybody else talk, but I really did enjoy this conversation, and I'm very, very grateful that you're able to come on. I just want to reiterate before you go, while we have you, the reason we don't use Zoom, the reason we use Discord instead, is because this is a permanent hub for UBI advocates to meet. Um, and I'd like to invite you to come back anytime. You never have to announce yourself. If you would like to drop in on a show and just observe, you're welcome to. Or if you just want to talk as much as you want to uh, another guest that we have, you're also welcome to do that. So I post the schedule on the schedule channel every Thursday. Uh, if you'd like to, us to help you with trending a hashtag or doing something else for your organization, we'd also be happy to help you with that. So please come back and you can ask us for help with that in the live chat. We'll talk about that. Um, the live chat, the live stream chat, you, which Jack. yeah is the name of the channel. Anyway, <laughs> so thank you. I will I will let you go. I've taken up a lot of your time. Thank you again. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for speaking, all of our speakers. And we will see you again next weekend at the Yang Gang Roundtable. Be-